Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Hey, as you're finding your seat, why don't you high five somebody in the air and tell them I might be the problem? I might be the problem. I might be the problem. I find sometimes that it's helpful to just remind myself, you know, Carter, the problem might be you. We can all sit there and listen too long to the enemy in our ear tell us about poor little old us when the problem is really, you know, did you somewhere along the line you slipped into just selfishness and you're just thinking about yourself again and you wish everyone would get the revelation about how special or important or overlooked you are and you know, maybe, but maybe we need to not just sit there and take that. Maybe we need to get back to taking every thought captive to Christ and reminding the devil that we are more than loved and that we have more than enough in Christ. And the truth is, if you're in Christ, like this hard, hard earth is the worst hell you will ever know by the grace of God. You're almost done. You're almost home. And you're going to be in the presence of Jesus and... um that's a great thing to look forward to. So let's just all look forward to it. And I'm going to forget my pity parties and I'm going to press on in Jesus' name because that's where we're powerful. If you just feel sorry for yourself all the time, the truth is you just become weaker and weaker. So why don't we all just decide, man, we're going to grab ourselves by the scruff of the neck and say, in Jesus' name, I'm moving forward. I'm going on. I ain't sitting here. All right. Well, today we're, we're I wasn't even going to say that. Um, Today we're moving into the, we're in the middle of the Financial Fresh Start series, and we're starting to get a biblical theology. We're getting a picture. Biblical theology means, how does the Bible understand this? How how does the Bible want us to understand the reality around us with regard to anything, specifically with regard to money in this series? And so we started in the first week, and we said, for a Financial Fresh Start, we got to do a couple things. And this is all part of God's Word. All these things God is saying, you know, it's, it's more than one thing. It's multiple things. And if you're going to get a fresh start with money, here's the first thing. you got to get out of all consumer debt like your life depends on it. And then we said, number two, store up or save. Save your money. Don't just go blowing your money. Save your money like you're afraid you're going to run out. And we talked about the benefit of a tool like Dave Ramsey's Baby Steps and how that is kind of like a compass. We can come back to that. Even when we mess up you know, a little bit, we come back to that like, oh, yeah, here's my next step. Here's what I need to keep doing. And I just want to encourage you, if, if you've made some financial mistakes, dude, it's okay. Who hasn't made financial mistakes? We've all made dumb mistakes. It's just one more category of dumb mistakes we've made. You've made a lot more than that, not just money ones, uh, as have I. And it's all right because Jesus is powerful, Jesus is forgiving, Jesus is gracious, and there's just always another shot. There's always another try. Plus, he gives us his grace and power. And some of us, we try to do it without the Lord for too long. And now we've got God's help. Let's see where this goes today, man. I feel feisty. I feel like I just might preach a little bit. So feel free to give me a lot of amens if you want me to keep being feisty. Well, then we talk about work, and we said work is the pipeline God uses to get us money, but neither the money nor the job are our source. You know, it's good, hey, praise God for for good jobs, but God just never wants us deluded into thinking that's really coming from anywhere but him. And number two, we said God uses my money to solve my problems, but money is always trying to fool me into the illusion of self-sufficiency. This is part of that theology of money. This is what the Bible teaches about money. It's saying the world doesn't tell you this, but money is actually trying to trick you. 
And you need to know this. You need to use it. It's a good thing to use. We even said last week, God wants us to enjoy all the stuff. He gives us all the things he gives, he gives to us so we can enjoy them. But don't be tricked by it. That's why Jesus was so firm about the difference between God and mammon. You can't serve both. Well, today I want to talk to you about the fact that the highest purpose of our resources is God's glory, not just our enjoyment. The highest purposes of our resources is God's glory, not just our enjoyment. God wants us to enjoy stuff, but he wants us to be very clear on what the highest purpose for our financial life and really anything else you have is, and that is his glory. And the world is, has got this wrong, especially in our generation. I think in previous centuries, it was a little more, people understood this a little bit better, but we really think this is all there is. So like whatever you're going to do, you better do it. You better spend your money now. You better go on the vacation now because there is nothing else and you've only got so many years left. You better cram it all in. And the truth is, that's just not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there's much more than this. In fact, this is very, very short compared to everything that comes after this. And so the wisest thing we can do is say, if this is way bigger than this, then I'm going to think a whole lot more about this and I'm going to invest in where I'm going. I, I can see I am deteriorating before myself in the mirror. Like, I know this. I look at the, the, the things around me, and I see them all deteriorating. I know it's going away. And so the Bible says, hey, you want to do something wise? Take all your resources and make sure you're investing in where you're going instead of where you're dying. Because it's not going to do you any good before long. Just a few more decades, and it ain't going to do you any good. You might as well have put it in the right place, in the place you're about to enter. Now, add to that Jesus, because he's so good. Jesus loves you just the way you are. Don't you love that? No matter how much you mess up, no matter what you did wrong, even if you've done it the 7,000th time, Jesus doesn't love you any less. Like, he always knew you were going to do that. And he gives you grace for today. He loves you, actual you, not just humans, you, just the way you are. And he loves you so much that he's like, yeah, we can't, we can't stay here. i got to move you on. I love you so much, I can't leave you the way you are. So I'm going to be working on you to help you get where I'm trying to get you. And what he's trying to get in us is little sons and daughters of God that act like Jesus and think like Jesus and feel like Jesus would all the time. That's the vision. That's what it means to be sanctified. We're being sanctified, recreated in God's image. We were an image of God. We fell. Now we're a marred image of God. Jesus comes and puts all the pieces back together and fills us up with the Holy Spirit so we can be taken on into sanctification and ultimately glorification in heaven, in his presence. Isn't that good news? And if we belong to Jesus, he is committed to you and I becoming generous people. He's committed to it. Like, he is in on this. Now, to be fair, he's in on all the other things, too. He's committed to you becoming a loving person, you becoming a gracious person, you becoming a person that is always believing the best about people. He's into all that, but today we're talking about generosity. And he's saying, I am committed to you becoming generous. And we're going to see this in the scripture. And how does he do it? How does he get us there? The same way he gets us everywhere else, he woos us into it. He gives us a little taste of how wonderful and good he is. And he says, you like that? Come on, let's take a little bit more. Now, we live in a time where we would look at people and we would, we're a little concerned when people woo us. We're like, sometimes people have bad motives. And what if they're taking me to a bad place? What if they're tricking me? Here's what you can be excited about. God's never trying to trick you. God's always got your high, the, the best possible motive there could be is the one that God has toward you all the time. So just like if you're like a cat person, okay? I'm gonna assume there's a few in the room. If you're a cat person, you might see a, a little 
kitty cat that has been, looks like it's been through a rough couple of days outside. You're looking at it through the, through the window, and that thing looks, you know, maybe nothing's broken, but it looks like it's seen better days. And you try to wave it over toward you. You're like, come here, come here. And you know, it's scared. It's not coming right now. So what do you do? You put a little milk out. You do it the next day. You do it the next day. And you're trying to teach that kitty, I'm cool. I will take care of you. I'm good. I'm not a villain. I'm trying to give you milk. You're wooing it. And that's what God does with us. He lays out little blessings. He lays out little milk containers. He says, come on, come on. I'm going to teach you that this is how I treat you. And how does he do it? Here's Here's a, a verse that we've got to like understand in our theological construct of how the Bible talks about money. It's really strange for a minute. Let's look at it. Luke 6.38. Give is Jesus talking. The, like the real Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And he says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. So it, the, the grain is running into the bowl and it's shaken it together. So there's, you're getting as much as you possibly can and running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will be the amount you get back. And a little bit, we get weird about that. We're like, is this a get-rich-quick scheme? Like, is that really true? Is that what God wants us to do? Because then couldn't I be like, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get me, um, I'm just going to keep giving, even though I don't have any money, I'm going to borrow you know, $10,000 and try to get $100,000 based on God's system. Why doesn't that work? Well, it's because of the previous weeks we were just in. Because the other principles of God also apply. Yeah, you got to stay out of debt. You got to have integrity. You got to have thrift. You got to be wise with your money. All that is working together, and yet it's still there. Because God is determined to cause us to become generous people. So he's like, try it. Just try it. Try it. Because practice makes permanent He's trying to get us to become givers. So he says, I will always outgive you. You give to me, I'm going to outgive you. You're operating by God's financial principles. You give to me, I'm going to outgive you. Not because I'm a slot machine, but because I'm trying to get you to believe me that generosity is the best way to go. I'm trying to make you into a little mini Jesus. And so I'm wooing you into doing this because God rewards good behavior. He's like, this is what I want. And I'm trying to make you sons and daughters. I mean, just ask yourself the question. Is it possible that Jesus is trying to trick us? Is Jesus being 70% honest? And like, well, there's, you know, there's some clauses he didn't include here. Or is Jesus always 100% truthful with you? Have you known Jesus yet to deceive you? No, of course you haven't because he doesn't. And so we've got to like make a decision. Where does this fit in my theological grid? Well, it must be true. Jesus is not trying to trick me. He's not trying to lie to me but he might be trying to woo me. <clears throat> Listen to this. This is also true of your God. Isaiah 48, 17. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. He says, I want your life to look like it has the seal and the blessing and the goodness and the kiss of Jesus on it. And so I want to teach you how to do this. Well, I want this thing to get easier for you. I want this thing to get better for you. And that doesn't mean that you'll always have everything that you want in every season of life. That certainly has been true for Kenzie and I. But in every season, if we do things God way, God's way, he says, you will have enough and enough to spare to give, to keep on sowing, to keep on reaping back. It won't be everything you ever wanted, but it will be obviously blessed, and you will find yourself being taught by God. If we belong to Jesus, 
God is determined to make us generous. He's determined, yo. And maybe you've got a will that is like resisting that a little bit. That's all right. He'll do it. That's what he does. He, like he's, this is his job. He's good at this. You're not going to like win against the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Luke 9, 12. Now this is an example. There's a lot of like, going on in this passage, but I want you to see the principles of multiplication that Jesus puts in this text. This is about more than that, okay? Like many scriptures, there's a lot of layers to it. There's a lot of things God is saying. One of the things he's saying is Jesus is the true and better Moses. Okay, Moses gave the Israelites manna in the desert. Jesus gives actual real bread, and he uses the disciples to do it, so he's even better than Moses. But let's look at these principles of multiplication. Luke 9, 12. When the day began to wear away, when the day began to wear away, that means, hey, big guy, sun's getting pretty low. It's pretty late in the day. It's evening now. It's gone a long time now. The 12 came and said to him, send in the multitude, or send, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions for we're in a deserted place around here. He's like, um, ain't no restaurants here. Lord, we need some help. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Now, 5,000, we know that in ancient Near East Jewish culture, they counted men to count. So there's probably way more than 5,000 if, if we're not counting the women and the children. And then he said to the disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, now check it out, he blessed and broke them. And he gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they ate, they all ate, and they were filled. And 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now, we don't know exactly how many people were there. Jesus knows, and he knows just how much to make. He knows just how much to multiply. And here's what the answer is. Enough for everybody, plus 12 baskets. Plus 12. He didn't do just enough for everybody, but enough plus 12. So that, and, and why? To show us this principle of multiplication. He's like, you cannot give God. See, I'm using my disciples to give away, and now there's one for each of them as they walk away from this situation. They end with more than they started with because they participated with God and his miracle. So now it's more fun maybe if you put yourself in the picture. Okay, so let's put you in. We're going to put you as one of the disciples that are there during the day. Okay, now... You're there and it's beautiful and it's like a mega crowd. You've never seen Jesus attract this many people, okay? You're with all the, all the boys and watching everybody and it's just beautiful and it, he's preaching and it's really good and then it just keeps going. You're like, doggone. You're looking at your Apple Watch and you're like, it is noon. I'm about to miss the game, you know, and Jesus just keeps going, all right? And then one and then two, you're like, I hope I get the second game. What, what is this? And he just keeps going and going and finally, like, you huddle up with the other guys and Peter's like, I'm going to die. I'm so hungry. What are we going to do? And you get a bright idea. You're like, well, he seems to care about the people. So let's go tell him that the people are probably hungry. And everyone's like, yeah, that's a good idea. And they nominate you. So you're going to Jesus. And you go up to Jesus, okay, and he's like teaching. And you say, Rabbi, um, Master, so I just love all this good stuff that you're preaching all day. I mean, Great series. You're not even just preaching one sermon. You got a whole series. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I love it, but some of the other guys are worried, okay? 
they're thinking that maybe, maybe the people are starting to get hungry. And so we're just wondering, maybe be good. Maybe you should just stop here. We'll come back next weekend and you can finish out the series. All right. And Jesus looks at you and he's like, oh, you think people are, people are hungry, huh? You give them something to eat. And you're like, rats. Okay. Right. And you walk on back to the huddle, you know, slouching. You're like, I don't know. And they're like, did you tell him? Is he going to end it? No, he wants, he wants us to give him something to eat. I don't know what to do. And then you notice out of the corner of your eye, there's this little boy. He's got this little bag of KFC. You can tell the KFC is on the bag. And so you run over there and you grab it from him and, you know, and everybody huddles around it. Okay? And you can say, okay, I got, I got two pieces of chicken and five biscuits, right? And then Peter just grabs one, eats one of those biscuits. You're like, Peter, come on, man. And so then you guys don't know what else to do. So you go back to Jesus and you're like, Lord, um, you remember that project you gave us? Well, this is all we got. You know, Peter ate one. You know how he goes. And this is what we're dealing with now. And Jesus is like, that's enough. That'll do. That'll do. What I want you to do is go make everybody sit down. And I'm going to pray over this thing. And it's all going to be fine. Now, this gets you excited because you're like, man, maybe it's going to be like an Elisha thing. Maybe he's going to... You know, it's going to be like the oil that doesn't run out, and he's just going to make more. And so you're, you're kind of excited, and then you see Jesus, and he, he blesses it. And then he's like, okay, now go give these out. And you're looking at it, and it's still the same amount. It's still two pieces of chicken and now four biscuits. You're like, um, Lord, do you want to pray again? Because nothing's different, okay? He's like, no, this is good. Go, It's blessed. Now go pass it out. And as you take one of those biscuits, you take it to the first guy, and you're like, all right, you punk, you better not take very much. You take a little crumb, because this is all we got. But you notice he takes a little crumb, and then it grows in his hand. And then suddenly you have two in your hand. And then you give two more away, and now you have four. And it keeps multiplying as you're giving it, and you've got to find a basket. So now you're like putting all these in, and people are taking more, and it keeps multiplying and keeps growing. And you realize that you've just been part of the miracle. So here's some principles of multiplication. First, number one, money has to be brought to Jesus and blessed before it can multiply. Do you see that? Verse 16, then he took the five loaves. It didn't do any good when just the guys had it. He took the five loaves and the two fish. Okay, it wasn't real KFC. All right, you knew that. And looking up to heaven, he blessed it. I think it's really important, okay, Jesus didn't tell them, all right, well, guys, why don't you just pull what you got and you guys figure it out, okay? Divide that by 15,000 and see what you can do. That's not what he did. He said, I'll take that and I'll bless it. It needs to be blessed by God. It's only when it's blessed by Jesus that it really multiplies. What does this mean to bless it's a really interesting word in the Bible. Okay, so when you're a preacher, one of the things you ask for for Christmas a lot is books because you know you need a lot of books to keep preaching. And so you, you, you get jazzed by things like Bible encyclopedias. But when you have those, you find good, good content, good information. So the word bless, it means berak. It's a declaration and a bestowal of benefits not inherent to the thing itself. It's counterpoint to a curse. Throughout the Bible, the content, I'm quoting here, the content of what constitutes blessing varies but includes such things as vitality, health, longevity, fertility, land, prosperity, honor, and numerous progeny. 
So this blessing is something that God decrees and bestows as he speaks over us when it's coming from God, which is the majority of the times in Scripture. And he says, I'm going to speak and decree advantages and favor over you that are not inherent to you, meaning you couldn't do it on your own. It's not from you. It's beyond you from me. And that's a really big deal because sometimes we just kind of like, we use blessing as a like vague do good somehow. Like you'll pray, oh God, bless them. And you're like, that means hopefully something at some point soon good happens to them. Well, if they live in the United States, being here itself is good, okay? Like most things that are happening to them are really good. The the ability to walk into a Walmart is a really good, other cultures would consider that a blessing, but that's not really what the Bible means by blessing. It means something they couldn't do on their own. This, this makes Genesis 128, the first time God says blessed about humans in the Bible. Listen to what it says. It's talking about Adam and Eve. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, this is really important because God is saying, this is not only a directive. It's not only what I want you to do, but I'm blessing you to be able to do it. Adam and Eve, you would not maybe be able to do this if I didn't decree a blessing over it. You wouldn't be able to subdue the earth. You wouldn't be able to keep going. And how important was that later on when Cain kills Abel to remember the blessing of God? No, God blessed us. This is a real loss, but we are gonna keep going and we are gonna continue to subdue the earth because God is giving us power to do that which we could not do without him. That's what he does with everything. Everything you ask God to bless, that's really what you're asking him to do. God, make this more favor-filled, more advantageous than I could possibly do on my own. If you want a blessed marriage, you say, God, give me a marriage that obviously something is going on beyond us. Because when it's just us, it's not so good. You want blessed relationships? Oh, God, bring your blessing on these that makes it, it's obviously more than just the people involved. There's something from heaven. There's a bestowal of God's grace that he's putting on the thing to make it better. And even on our finances, we say, God, put your bestowal of grace in favor to make it work better than it would work. See, we gotta remember, the earth that we're living on is a cursed place because of our first parent sin. And when we say it's cursed, that means not only like do we die and do we decay and stuff, it means the very world system, all this, like governments and organizations, they produce systemic evil that they're not even trying to produce. Everything breaks down. Everything is mucked up. Family relationships, even the financial world, it doesn't work quite right because of the fall. And so there's not a thing you have that we shouldn't say, oh God, would you put your special favor on this? Would you put your special advantages on it in a way that I couldn't? Okay, living example, that's kind of silly, but my dog, Max, okay, he is a dachshund chihuahua. Dakwawa or something? Chewini? Yeah. He's a Chewini. Um, and these guys normally, they have fur, okay? That's normal for the dog. That's not really a blessing. You might say it's a blessing in the winter, but it's not a blessing because it's not any different than any other Chewini. So if I came home and find him with fur, I'm like, he's not blessed. If I come home and Max is playing the harmonica, I'm like, this dog is blessed. Because he's doing something far exceedingly beyond what a, what a Chewini can do. Clearly, there's something from heaven going on here that he can play the harmonica. That's the way it is with God. And yet, for so many of us, we just 
you know, we're not thinking about it. We don't mean to, but we're not thinking about it. And we, even when we give, we're not asking for the blessing of God on our giving. We're not coming to Jesus first with the bread. We're just giving it away. And all that it is, that's as far as it can go. Jesus is the one who does the blessing. He is the true and better Melchizedek that you find in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 5 and 6. He's the one that takes the tithes and offerings and he blesses them and he rebukes the curse and he gives our money special protection and blessing and favor from God. That's who he is. So my challenge to us is, let's not just give, let's bless what we give. Let's, pray, let's get really aggressive about praying every way we can for God's blessing on not only our finances, but everything. Because God uniquely, and many of you know this, it's the only place in scripture he says, test me. He, in fact, he decidedly says, don't test me. In the Ten Commandments, he says, hey, look, man, I'm God. Don't mess around here. Don't just be testing me all the time. Except for here. Listen to what he says, Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe that means a tenth of your income, the first 10% that you make, the first fruits of all you produce. Bring it in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Notice that. He says, why don't you go ahead and test me? Because I love to woo you. Why don't you go ahead and try? Come closer, kitten. See if you don't get a little more milk. See if this doesn't happen. I'm trying to make you generous. So you just go ahead and test me and find out if I don't open the floodgates of heaven. And what did he say there? Important things. He says, first, that there may be food in my house. Okay, so what's happening contextually is the priests and the Levites that are supposed to run the temple, they just go home because there's no food left. The tithes that were supposed to come in, what was supposed to provide for them, they're like, dude, the rest of our fellow Israelites have neglected us. We're going home. we got to go to our farm. The, the, the temple doesn't work if the giving doesn't happen. But that's not all. Check it out. Because God says, not only when you bring the full tithe are you supporting God's ministry, he says, you're supporting you. Because I rebuke the devourer. I I push back against that curse that is trying to bleed in. The curse is like driving in a mud storm, okay? The curse is all around us in all these different aspects of life. And God says, when you bring the full tithe, I put some windshield wipers on your car. Now you can see a little clearer. Now you can see what you're doing. You can see where you're going. I'm helping you. I'm keeping this thing from overwhelming you and putting you in a ditch somewhere. And he says, I will prevent pests from devouring. Well, the devourer is is our spiritual enemy. It's the devil, but it's also just the world. It's the stupid decisions we make. It's the, it's the impulses that we go ahead and do. And God says, there's a certain amount of favor far beyond you that I'm just going to protect you from dumb mistakes. I'm going to protect people from taking advantage of you. I'm going to keep certain things out of your life because you're honoring me. And I've, I've said this to many of you for a long time. Why don't you just try it? If you, if you don't tithe yet, if you do, you already know what I'm talking about. But if you don't tithe yet, man, it's, it's all good. What's your next step? Why don't you try it for three months? See what happens if you try it. If you don't trust me, tithe to a different church. But just test him in this and find out if he's as good as his word, if he's really trying to woo you or trying to trick you because he will remove the curse. 90% with God's blessing 
will go way further than 100% without it. And let me just challenge everybody, and I mean this with sensitivity, because I know everybody comes from somewhere, and maybe you came from a place where they were maybe too into money, like they talked about this too much, and it just left a bad taste in your mouth, and I hear that. Maybe that was true. I know that that can be true. I hope that's not true for you. But if that was, can I just challenge you? If you're going to ask people about it, you should. But ask the people that do it, not the people that don't. Here's why. Because if you ask the people that don't, that's like asking someone who didn't buy the sneakers how those sneakers are working out. Okay? Why don't you ask the person who's put 50 miles on them running? Say, how is that working out for you? I know this other person can guess, but I want to know. I want to know how that's actually going. And can I challenge all of us? There's, a, there's such a beautiful thing when this is from the Holy Spirit on your heart, when you ask him, God, burden me for this. Like, I, I, I want to obey the scripture, but I also want, in a personal living relationship with Christ, I want Christ to say, now do this. Now go. Now go ahead and obey me and trust me and see what happens. So when do we do it? Well, you do it when you sit down with your checkbook or when you're working on the bills or you're working on the money. You sit down and you say, God, I'm, I'm blessing this in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, Jesus, I'm bringing it to you. I'm asking you to bless it. You do that when you see the announcements video. When someone comes out and they're like, hey, well, we're going to receive their offering. You say, Jesus, I'm asking you to do way more with this than we could ever do. I'm asking you to help people. I'm asking you to multiply this. I'm asking you to reach into people's hearts and lives and feed them and teach them the gospel. I'm asking you to do more than we could ever do. But whatever you do, God, bless it. You do it on the app. You pull out your app. Oh, God, it's time to pray. Lord, I'm asking Jesus. I'm bringing this to you and asking you to bless it. Well, we said, number one, money has to be brought to Jesus and blessed before it can multiply. Number two, money has to be given away before it can multiply. They brought it to Jesus he blessed it, but then he sent them. He's like, all right, now you go distribute this. I want you to be part of the miracle. It's not just God doing it. It's God doing it through us. That's his New Testamental plan. It's only when they give it away that it begins to multiply. If they would have eaten it, I mean, just think about this. Would the miracle have happened if they just ate what Jesus blessed but hadn't given it away? No, they would have missed this awesome thing that God wanted to do. I want to challenge everybody that is on this journey somewhere. There comes a point where, at first, it's really, really hard to give, okay? I think it's supposed to be, I think our hearts cling to anything that's ours, much less money. It's really hard at first, but then we give, and like, ah, oh, I felt kind of good. And then we feel pricked to give again, and so we give, ah, oh, that felt a little bit better, we want to make it to the place where it's no longer, I've got to like stir myself up to give once, but I'm actually beginning to identify myself as a giver because that was Jesus' point, remember? What's he trying to do? He's trying to woo you and me into becoming generous people. So I hesitate to share this, but I think it's healthy for you. When Kenzie and I were really young, 18 and 19, we had spiritual leaders that they knew we didn't have any doggone money kind of money are we going to have? But they still taught us the truth. And they said, hey, guys, you have to learn to give when you don't have anything. If you don't give now when you're poor, you won't give when you have a lot of money because you'll have spent years teaching yourself that you don't need God. So you got to give when you don't have anything. They taught us you're never going to be able to tithe until you tithe. 
You're going to have to start there. And if you'll start there, you'll see, you'll test him in this and see what he does. And so for now, for me, and this is just because I had good spiritual mamas and papas, if I go to like a conference and I would encourage somebody to adopt this and they take an offering or something like that, dude, it was just good training put in me. Give them 50 bucks. Just do it because it's honoring to that house. It's honoring to those people, but it's honoring to your God. Why? Because I'm, I'm telling myself every time I'm doing, no, in Jesus' name, Carter, you are no longer selfish. You are a new creature in Christ. You are generous. This is what God does. God is generous. You obey. Do what your father would do. Now give. And sometimes I got to be that like stern with myself because my flesh is just like anybody else's. And be like, ah, la, la, la. So I, I don't want to give the impression that you're ever going to arrive on this like top of the plateau and be like, wow, like this is just never hard. I think it's probably going to be hard while you're on earth. But we can become more and more, not just people that give, but givers, because that's what God is. And by the way, we're almost done. When we do that, just, just to trip us all out, when we do that, we're just giving to God what was already his. That's why he says, bring me the tithe in that Malachi text. He doesn't say, give it to me. He says, bring it to me. He says, bring it because it's his. He's like, I let you keep 90%. And I can bless that 90% if you put me first in your life. So here, you know, it's kind of like a couple years ago, our car was really having some problems and Pastor Brandon and Erica, they let us borrow their blue Sonata. And like, hey man, you guys just go, as long as you need it, you just go ahead and take it. It was such a blessing. It was a nice car. And I'm like, oh, Kenzie and I were talking, what great friends that we have. Well, a few days later, we returned it, but wouldn't it have been kind of weird if on the way to return that car, I called up B and I said, hey, Brandon, thank you so much for that car. It was just so awesome. And I just want you to know, I mean, Kenzie and I have been praying. We feel really led to give you back this car just to be a blessing in your life. So we just want to like, we don't want any thanks. We just want to give it to you. Of course, he would have been humble and he would have been quivering in his skinny jeans and beard, but he would have probably said something like, that's my car. What do you mean you're going to give me back my car? That's my car. You can't give me something that's mine. And yet sometimes that's how we're treating God. We're like, God, it's just such a big deal that I'm going to give you this. Well, I mean, it is, and praise God for growth. Yes, we should keep track of if we're moving forward or not. But at the same time, let's all recognize it's God's. What are you talking about? You're giving God his stuff, and he's allowing you to use it. Let's take our example from Solomon. I'll close with this illustration. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, the Lord appears to Solomon and he gives him this outrageous opportunity. He's like, hey, ask for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Man, I have not had a, an offer like that. I'm, I'm, that'd be, wouldn't it be awesome if you got that offer from the Lord? I'm, I hope maybe someday I will. But he says, well, you know, I want wisdom to guide your people. And so God's like, because you didn't ask for riches or to punish all your enemies, I'm going to give you riches and victory over your enemies, and I'm going to give you all the wisdom you could ever want. Well, that's a pretty big deal. That happened at night. You know what happened that day? That day, it was the coronation of the king. And it was customary during that coronation for the king to sacrifice a bull. Solomon sacrificed 1,000 bulls that day to the Lord. And the principle there is God is extravagantly generous to those who are extravagantly generous. 
It was because he, he went, Solomon went first. He's like, Lord, this is what I want to give you. And God says, what did God say? He says it to us all the time. You can't outgive God. You just try it. Test me in this. You try to outgive me and see what I do. Because if we're in Christ, God is determined to make us generous. Now, here's what I want to do. I want all of us to do a little prayer exercise. We're going to ask the Lord, number one, we're going to ask him to speak to us. And what that means is we're just going to be quiet, like in a spirit of prayer, or say, Lord, bring to mind or lay in our hearts or do something where it's, it's kind of clearer than everything else. What do you want me to do about this? Maybe for some of us, it'll be, I want you to start tithing. Or others, it'll be, I want you to raise your tithe. I would say within the last 24 hours, as I'm interacting with the Lord about this message, I got the challenge in this very area. Maybe he'll say something like that. Whatever he says, what we want to say is, yes, sir, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And then we're going to pray together and we're going to bless it. I should say, we never really bless it. We're going to bring it to Jesus and he blesses it. He makes it able to do what we could never make it able to do. Let's bow our heads. Hey, Lord, we just want to um, still ourselves and surrender ourselves. And we thank you first and foremost for the good truth of your word. Thank you that you are trying to woo us. I pray that you would give us eyes to see you like that, that that's what you're trying to do. In your mercy, I want to ask that you would just bring to mind however you want us to respond to this message. Lord, we pray for grace to respond full of faith, full of zeal. And now we ask, Father, we do pray for our finances. We bring them to you and we say, God, we want to use these for your purposes. Would you bless them? Bestow and decree advantages and favor over this area of life that we could never do and use it in ways that are far beyond what anyone could ever do. And we ask Jesus that you not just bless that, we pray that you bless our relationships and our studies. We're being specific about how we want you to bless, God. We're asking far beyond what we could ever do. Our marriages, with our roommates, with our transactions, with our real estate. God, with the ones we've been hurt by and the recovery that is necessary. God, we're asking for you to bless it. We're asking for our time with you. God, bless it. Do far beyond what we could ever do with it. For our knowledge of your word, God, bless it. Way more than we could ever. Lord, we are dependent on you, and we thank you, Jesus, for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. We're not done. So, psych. Um, there's one more thing, because there's even a more extravagant gift than tithing that I think some of us are ready to give to the Lord, and that is your life. It's your life. See, the truth is, it's not just that we've withheld generosity from God. You and I have betrayed God in so many ways. Like, we've hurt people. Um, we've betrayed people. And yes, you've been hurt and betrayed, but you've also done it, and it was wrong, and it was bad. And someone has to pay for it, and you don't want it to be you. 
You want it to be Jesus. And so he offers his gift of life to each and every one of us. And here's what's wonderful about God. Not only is he aware that you've been less than generous, but he's not holding that against you. He's saying, even so, I want to be generous with you, and I want to give you eternal life. And some of us know this because you've wondered why you're still alive, because the truth is, man, you should be dead by now. Like, why are you even alive? Some of the stuff you've given yourself to, here's the reason. So you could come to Jesus. So you give Jesus everything and say, Jesus, you're, you're worth it all, and you're the only one who has the power to bless. So let me help you right now. I want to do that together. Many years ago, a young lady in a college dorm helped me do this. Let me help you. Let's do this right now. Let's bow our heads. And what you're going to do is you're going to say, Jesus, I don't have all the answers. I don't know how it's all going to work, but I know I need a forgiver. And I need to put the management of my life in your hands and not mine. So Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you came. You would have come just for us. And we want to acknowledge our sinfulness and our evil hearts and our love of things that you call evil. We pray for your forgiveness and we thank you that you give it entirely and completely along with your perfect record. And we ask now that you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to know you deeper and deeper and keep your promise to transform us entirely into your image. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.